Oh, man. I have a pathological fear of two-letter words. (laughs) I get terrified just thinking about it. (laughs) What does that even mean? (laughs) You don't get it? I have a pathological fear of two-letter words. I get terrified thinking about it. Oh, God. Got it. That's awful. All right. Here we go. You're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 151. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your podcasts. And leave us a review if you can. Uh, Indeed. And check us out at codingblocks.net. It's a website. Um, We'll get into that later. But you can find show notes, examples, discussion, and a whole lot more. And you can send your feedback, questions, and rants to an email address. Comments to coningblocks.net. And we got an episode on that coming up, too. That's pretty good. We also have this thing called a Twitter account. It's at codingblocks. And you can head to said website at www.codingblocks.net and find all our other social links there at the top of the page. With that, I am the slightly still sick Alan Underwood. I'm Jerzak. And I'm Michael Outlaw. This episode is sponsored by Datadog, the monitoring and security platform for end-to-end visibility into modern applications. And Datastacks, the open multi-cloud stack for modern data apps built on open-source Apache Cassandra. And Linode, simplify your infrastructure and cut your cloud bills in half with Linode's Linux virtual machines. All right, and today we are talking about uh, some lessons uh, we learned from our doing a first game jam, and uh, I think we'll probably have a little bit from uh, behind the curtains, but mostly just about uh, I think our experiences as uh, contributors, uh, which has been really exciting. And we just finished up the game jam. Um, at the time of the recording, now we're still doing voting, so we don't know uh, what the the outcome of that's going to be. But uh, we just wanted to kind of talk about this while it was fresh. Uh, first, a little bit of news. All right, so like we like to start off with we're going to thank thank those who've actually submitted us some reviews on itunes we've got dd aus dd so i'm guessing ddos dd and then also i went and found this because i remember audible saying that they were going to start doing it we have our first review in audible and it's from one of our members of our slack community devops rob so thank you very much for taking the time to leave us those reviews we appreciate them they they definitely put a smile on our faces Oh, I didn't know that was a thing now. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. So we currently have a perfect review set in Audible <laughs> with one. Awesome. So we're we're good. All right, I'm going to call my mom up and we'll uh, get to, we'll keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think she was our first review, wasn't she? I forget. I think so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, back to this. Week. So yeah, a game jam's uh, over. I want to mention too, we're going to have links here uh, to all the entries so you can go through and play 46 brand new to the world video games uh, right now and all free. And I uh, also wanted to say, so we got 46 submissions, some of which were teams. So a lot of people put in a lot of hard work for this. And we have, uh, at the time of this recording, 506 ratings, which I, that's my favorite part. So people went, played, left feedback, and you know how we love reviews, right? So we're really happy to see that uh, people actually went out there and, and played the games after they spent all that uh, time making them in order to do that. And we did set it to uh, to make it so that only submitters of games could go and rate. So uh, that's that's just really cool. So uh, that, that was the thing I was kind of most, con- you know, the most conflicted about is whether to kind of leave the voting up to the public or uh, only submitters. And we, we ended up going only submitters, but it just makes my heart warm. 
Yeah, so uh, it's it's definitely been entertaining, and uh, you know, hey, who knows? We might do this again in the future. I, I know that we've already uh, you know talked about it behind the scenes about what a future game jam might look like, and uh, yeah, so your best chance to find out about that is going to be to follow us on uh, codingblocks.net slash events, and uh, you know, in the meantime. You know, there was a lot of stream streaming that was being done. You can check out the video from uh, codingblocks.net slash YouTube. And uh, plus, you'll be able to see up to upcoming keyboard reviews, which if you haven't already seen some of those uh, reviews that Alan has put out there, the, la- the latest one on the uh, Kinesis Advantage is amazing if you haven't already seen it. I appreciate that. Yeah, the next one up is the Zergo Tech, which, uh, assuming I can still speak after this, I may try and get that done this weekend. So, yeah, yeah, and I'm um, I'm actively working on uh, one for the game jam where I just go through people's games and kind of talk about some of the, some of my favorites. And uh, just, it's it's a lot of footage and a lot of games to go through. So that's probably going to take a couple of weeks realistically before that's out. But uh, I definitely uh, I went through and played everyone's games. I love feedback. I finished all the ones that I could uh, that had you know like true endings, you know, or like a game over condition, except for there were a couple that were just too tough for me, but, uh, I tried to get through all of them. So it's a significant amount of time just to play them. And then you gotta, you know, of course do the recording and then editing. So it's, it's going to be a while. Be patient with me, please. Well, with that, that's a great segue. Let's just get into the the meat of the episode then. Yeah. So I, I gathered some, some notes on Ally, you got some notes too. Uh, and so I figured we just kind of go through these and talk about it and we'll kind of flesh out, uh, what are ideas? And um, my first tip that I put in here, uh, is something I didn't do, but, uh, aim for the browser. Uh, so I noticed in the ratings, there's a huge bias towards people that publish games that you can just click play and play immediately on the website. Mm. Yeah. And then that makes sense. I think we kind of talked about that, um, back when we did the, you know, the episode on what is a game jam back in, I think that was December that we did that. Well, I think, yeah, November or December. Um, and, you know, like even at the time I had kind of uh, mentioned like, oh, uh, you know, just downloading some random code and trusting it, you know, to run it locally. Like uh, that that seems a bit of a uh, odd ask in the year 2021. <laughs> sure, security is fine. Just yeah, and Windows like- makes it hard. They scare the crap out of you when you download it. Yeah. So did you see, like when you said there was a heavy bias, are you saying that people that wrote something like yours, right? I think you did a a Python one where people just not downloading them. So I don't know how to see maybe when it's over and the voting to see the actual numbers on it, but you can go and just tell like, Hey, this is a windows only. There's one comment and you go to another one that had uh, was browser based and there's 13 comments. Ah, Okay. So just the the interactive feedback on it, which, by the way, like when you said that we have 586 ratings, right, that's more than like 10 times. That's like almost 11 times the amount of submissions. Yep. So, yeah, that's pretty excellent. All right. So uh, one question I had is, uh, Ala, so um, you made a website that was kind of standalone. I think a lot of people made like a, did, it seemed like Unity or uh, GoDot were really popular. And uh, it seems like itch.io was almost kind of uh, biased. I don't want to say biased, but like they uh, they were set up to do Unity and GoDot kind of games well. So they would play in an iframe. It seemed like the resolution just kind of worked out. How was your experience with having a kind of a almost like a traditional website being submitted? Like, was that easy? Did you like how that worked out? I mean, first of all, let's not classify my game as a traditional website. First of all, I want <laughs> well, you to know, that's like, true. That's true. I wrote my game engine from scratch. 
uh, okay. So if you haven't seen the game that I did, I, I did an idle click game, um, which was, you know, run, runs as a web page. And, um, yeah, I mean, the problem that I had with it wasn't necessarily that it was geared, the itch.io was, uh, necessarily tailored to Unity or Godot. It's just that the instructions were super unclear, um, about like, Hey, I'm, I want to upload a website or I want to, I want to, you know, submit my game, but it's, you know, ultimately a web, web page. Uh, you know, what, what exactly do I have to include? And, you know, it wasn't, it was some trial and error, but, and when I say like it was, you know, kind of like, you know, any frustration or, you know, anything with the, um, the instructions being unclear, I mean, it's not like I spent hours trying to figure it out. Like I, you know, it definitely less than an hour's worth of time total spent on trying to get that submission together. But, uh, you know, it it just, during that, during that hour, there was just kind of like trial and error trying to figure out like, okay, wait, what does this mean? What what are they looking for here? Like, uh, you know, do do I, is this thing in play? Like, you know, if I give you a zip file, is that playable? I don't, what do you mean? Like, is that executable? Like, I, I wouldn't consider it executable because it's a zip file. But yeah, so that that's where I think that that it was where the where the bias is. It's just that it wasn't super clear, you know. Well, uh, so when you say it took like you know roughly an hour to kind of get that situated, if you uh, like say next year's game jam, if we do one next year, uh, would it be another hour, or because you've done it once, it would be much faster? Well, it would be much more time than the first, but that was that would be for totally different reasons. What do you mean? Like, um, I, I mean, more, the submission would probably take like instead of one hour, it would probably take eight. <laughs> Why? Is <laughs> it so, filling more details and stuff? Like, well, okay. So, uh, if we're focusing just on the submission aspect of it, like one of the the things that I learned from it was that, um. Like what my intention was to spend the the last day because it was a four day game jam. So my intention was to spend day four entirely focused on the packaging and polish of of the submittal, right? And not having ever submitted one before, I I didn't know what was going to be expected. But I also had like some thoughts in my mind that were like I wanted to not necessarily go over and above, but I wanted to make it like super easy for people to play. And I didn't realize what itch was going to provide necessarily. And so um, my initial thinking was like, okay, well, hmm, maybe I can, maybe like part of my delivery, my deliverable will be, here's a Docker image and you know, Docker run and boom, websites up and running and you can just hit it with your browser. And I was like, that'd be a good start. And then I'm like, okay, I can build on top of that idea, assuming there's time, go a step forward, uh, a step further and sign up for uh, Linode, use their free credit, uh, you know, with the, the $100 free credit that they're currently offering. And I can, uh, you know, put this thing inside of Kubernetes, right? And all of this is while I'm streaming it through Twitch, right? So you can like follow along with my, my dev efforts. And I'm like, oh, that'd be a pretty cool thing to do. You know, like, Hey, let's, let, you know, let's, let's spin this thing up in uh in a Kubernetes cluster. And I mean, I, I realized like, uh, you know, 
realistically, I don't need to support a babillion concurrent users, but I thought like, Hey, that'd be kind of a cool thing, right? Like what if I you did do. set up auto scaling? Yeah. Right. Thank you. Thank you for recognizing Alan. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, but you know, I thought like, you know, that would be a cool thing to do, right? Like, you know, let, let's set up the auto scaling on it and uh, you know, it'd be a fun little exercise. Right. And, and cause nothing else, like ultimately my, one of my goals for the game jam was more about like, what am I getting out of it? And what I wanted to get out of it was to learn something. And I wanted to like learn or practice or like, you know, uh, strengthen any muscles as much as I possibly could. Right. And so that's why I was like, okay, the Kubernetes thing will be a cool, a cool take on it. And, um, but what ended up happening though, is like, I kept refactoring so much and I'm like, Oh, I don't really like how this worked out. So let me refactor this. And then by the time day four came along, I was still like tr- trying to work some stuff out. Um, and, and, you know, I, and I didn't have the gameplay entirely where I had wanted it to be. And so I kept trying to like finish that by you know, on day four and I never did get it to entirely where I wanted it. But, um, it, it got to a point where it was like, you know, Sunday evening and it was like, okay, I, there's a few hours left. I, I need to submit this thing if I'm going to submit it. And, um, you know, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to scrap the idea of Docker and Kubernetes. And then it was like, oh, hey, wait, what if we just did Netlify instead? Because then with Netlify, I could just point it to a browser. I mean, I'm sorry, um, a repo and automatically, boom, there's a website. And like a huge lesson learned from, well, I feel like I'm going off on all kinds of tangents here. No, it was good stuff. Uh, one, <laughs> one huge tangent that, that, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, that was that was bad. Uh, but one you know, huge lesson learned, I mean, um, was that I think by by putting it on Netlify, I realized like, oh, you know what? If itch.io is creating any stats behind the scenes of like you oh, know, how many times your yeah. game has been played or whatever, like I am I am diverting, so I'm splitting some of that traffic because like immediately, like I was on Slack and whatever, I'm like, hey, here it is, you know, here's the URL for Netlify. Um, cause I did that first. Right. And so anybody that went there and saw it is likely to not go through itch IO to play it again. Right. And, um, cause I didn't realize that I <laughs> going back to the whole submission process, I didn't realize that when you submitted it, you weren't just submitting a URL. Right. Right. Like I didn't realize that they had the capability to embed your game and that they would play it. And so now knowing that I'm like, Oh, okay. I would definitely do that different. Now, why the submission would take me longer though, what I'm saying is if you look at some of the submissions, because I, because of, you know, how I didn't manage my time well and was running short, by the time it did come time to submit, I was tired and everything. It was late. I mean, that, that final day of, of, (laughs) you know, I, I, I streamed nonstop the final day for like nine and a half hours. Um, you know, so like, you know, you're doing that for days, like you're just burnt by the time you get to that final day. And, uh, what I didn't realize is that, uh, you know, you could put together like show notes, like not show notes, um, like game notes and instructions and like videos and all kinds of screenshots. And you could theme the actual page. So like when, when people would go to your itch IO page, your game submission, like the page itself was themed and I didn't realize that that was a thing. So that's what I'm saying. Like 
I would spend more time in trying to like make that also look appealing so that like people would be attracted to even click on the thing. Right. And add some of that. That's that a long way of answering things up a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that was all spot on. Um, and I think um, that kind of leads to my next big point. Um, uh, sorry, just type in here. Um, so I, this is a mistake that I said I wasn't going to make this time because I've made this mistake before. But uh, one of my big takeaways here was I should have started with like the actual core game loop first. And what do you and, mean by that? So instead of me browsing images for hours and messing with Photoshop and map editors and stuff, I spent a lot of time making a map that I didn't use at all. Yeah. And, you know, I had all these big plans. But by the time I got to actually kind of play in the game and realize, oh, there's things about this that I thought I was going to like that I don't. So I'm dropping those ideas and there's things about this that I think is working more than I expected. And so I pivoted away from things I spent a lot of time with. And that, that's kind of like the classic. It's like a very non-agile way to do that. Um, now, I do think there was value in like having Photoshop and using that to lay out my screen. Like that really helped. But I think that needs to be in tandem with you like kind of working out the core game experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I spent uh, $300 on hiring a limousine and discovered that <laughs> yeah. that fee didn't include a driver. And yep. I can't believe I spent all that money and had nothing to show for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> show for it. <laughs> nice sneak in of the dad. Yeah, that was wonderful. Well you like done. how I slid that one in, right? That was pretty that was good. well done. Yeah. Yeah, so next time I think I would have just started with that and I would have like tried to just have it be playable since from like hour one. So, you know, what's funny about this, like when I, so I only got to do this for like, I don't know, four hours maybe. And, and an hour of that was me trying to figure out how to get the streaming software set up and and laid out and configured and all that. Right. So I'm streaming me just not even knowing how to stream, which was, I'm sure not great for anybody, but. (laughs) But what I found interesting is I sort of was going to take an opposite approach is I had some ideas what I wanted to do for the game, but I wanted to see the tools because I've never done any game development at all. Right. So I got on there and I started with uh Godot, Right. Because I, I was like, eh, this is interesting. Let me download it. Like I, I you know, I want to see. And unfortunately, when I first started it, I want to say uh, Devin and Jamie, and uh, there was somebody else on there. I don't remember who it was. But unfortunately for Godot, what they need to do is they actually need to go through and clean up their starter projects. And the reason I say that is I downloaded one of the ones. It's like, hey, download one of these examples. And it didn't bring down the source files. And so when I went to run it, it would blow up. And I'd look at it and being brand new to the IDE or the environment, I was like, I don't know what this is, Right. So I was like, all right, let me trash this. Let me start over again. Let me download the the sample project. And sure enough, after I started digging in, the source files weren't there. And I was like, oh, well, that's garbage. That's that because even the the other person, I'm not sure who it was. It was on the channel with me at the time. He's like, man, I would trash it and move on to something else. Yeah. And and unfortunately, it wasn't the IDE's fault. Mm-hmm. It's whatever package was coming down didn't have the proper stuff. And and I almost did it. I'm glad I didn't. I ended up pulling down another one and messing with it. And honestly, like Godot was pretty amazing. Like, I, you know, I started going through 
the IDE and I went through the, the getting started tutorials while I was looking at it. And, and it's really a nice piece of work there. So, uh, you know, I didn't get much further than that cause I got called away to work, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was sort of excited about it because just in, in probably the hour and a half that I had to mess with the IDE and everything, I could totally see making a decent game sort of in a fun type of way, right? There's some coding to it, but it's a lot of visual layout and design stuff that, that you can just sort of plop things in and it's very component driven, right? So, um, and they even tell you how to design it. Like as software developers, like we usually look at architecture and we say, you know, um, we have a, we have a payment system, right? We're going to put all our modules for payments in this one component here, right? And then we have a shipping system. We're going to put all our modules for that and that. Well, they lay it out visually in, and they talked about in their games, like, let's say that, you know, I don't you're doing some medieval game or something, right? You have, you have a knight, right? Well, you're going to make that knight its own component because you might want to drop it in a castle. You might want to drop it outside. You might. And so they kind of tell you how to lay it all out. So at any rate, it, it is interesting. Like I didn't see either of you guys mention, you know, what tool you went to use. And for me, it was, I don't even know what tool to use. So I'm <laughs> yeah. going to go try them all out. Right. There were some cool submissions that were done with Godot. So that would yeah. not have been a bad way to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I wanted to mention too. Um, so, you know, part of the time management is knowing how much time you have. Like, uh, you know, we, like we all took off time for the game. So we knew we had, you know, or, or we thought we had <laughs> so much time to spend. If you know that you're only going to get three hours in on a game jam, that's totally fine. And like, there, I think there was even a feel for like how much time you spent on the jam. Like just because a game jam is, uh, you know, however long doesn't mean you need to do anything like that. It's all, you know, about what you can do because it's all about your experience with it and what you get out of it. And so if you only have two or three hours and you don't know the tools very well, then I would say plan on doing two to three hours of like a tutorial, just like you're doing Alan. Like if, you know, if you knew that you only had X hours, like do a little tutorial, you know, do whatever Pac-Man or whatever and, uh, you know, add your own graphics and you're done. And then you've got something out of it. You spend a game, you know, it, I think that's a total valid strategy. And so I, I just wanted to kind of get like Alan and I spent a lot more time on this than you know, Alan for various reasons. So, uh, you know, like uh, just because we spent four days on something doesn't mean that that was normal. You know, I, I think most people had far less time than that. I mean, you mentioned, uh, like what, what, framework I ended up using. Like I wasn't kidding when I was saying like I wrote my own, like my game was 100% from scratch and, and I started the, you know, day one at the first, at the start streaming, like literally saying like, okay, I don't even know what I want to do. Like I, I took it, I took the, I took the rules to heart where like we said like, Hey, you know, you're not going to use like code or assets that you've already created, right? You're going to do everything from there. And I, I took that like to a ridiculous, uh, level where like, um, I didn't even have a repo. I had no, I didn't have a directory, a readme, no notes, nothing like literally at the start of my stream. Uh, you know, when I start the process, you see me like, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's get a knit and let's create a readme and let's start jotting down the ideas. And I had some ideas for what I wanted the game to be. And, you know, I, I started, uh, you know, writing out some some rough sketch ideas of, of that. But then, where I thought there was a game engine that I that I thought I could use that I would use for the game, and 
I'm like, okay, this is where, this is the engine I think I'm going to use. Let's go look at it. And when I went to go look at it, I'm like, oh, this is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. Um, and I'm trying to remember the name of the engine. It was like, uh, it was the cookie idle game one. maker or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You said it was closed source, right? Um, well, uh, cause it, I think it, I joined your stream for a minute while you were, while you were going through all this and you were like, oh, I can't, I can't really use that. Yeah. It, it, it was, uh, I think it was called like idle game maker or something yeah, like that. Yeah. IGM. That's yeah. it. And, yeah. and it was, um, what I found, okay, so what I was, my expectation was, and again, I did zero research beforehand. So like you, you saw me in real time, uh, as I was streaming, like learn about it at that time. And what I thought, what I was expecting to have happen was that I could like go and download some kind of, you know, package and, uh, you know, it would be like the, you know, the, 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 the main game loop or the engine. And, you know, you would like add in your pieces to it and, you know, way you would go and what it turned out to be um if i you know assuming i was reading it correctly was that uh you basically had it wasn't even a json or a yaml file it was just like here's a text file that you're going to give it and oh. it's basically like a bunch of you know key value pairs but not really pairs like they're you know they could be multi-value uh things so it was kind of yaml-ish uh yeah but not and their and, game, your data. Uh, yeah. And, and so you would create this text file and then you weren't even running the tech, the, the engine where it, your sort, your destination of, you know, your choosing. Instead, you would give them the text file in one of a number of oh. ways. Like either you would like put it up, you would use something like paste bin and you'd be like, Hey, here's the thing. Or you would like upload it to a website and be like, Hey, here's the URL to my text file. But either way, you were basically giving them as a, as a, a query string parameter, like here's where the, here's where the source, the, the text file is. And then you were running the game on their website, which totally defeated my original, cause this is day one. So remember, I wanted Docker and Kubernetes. So like <laughs> all of that was immediately out the, out of the door. And I'm like, well, that, that's, not what I wanted to do at all. And like, I don't really feel like me writing a text file is in keeping with the spirit of a game jam. Cause like, what am I developing then? I'm just, I don't think I don't consider, you know, I don't, can I compile a text file? Can I, t can I unit test a text file? I'm like, I don't think that counts. And so, um, you know, I spent, I spent some of the time evaluating like, well, what are my other options for it? And, you know, maybe I could have done more, you know, evaluation of, of trying, but it, you know, it very quickly was just like, okay, uh, I guess I'm going to, um, concede to like, I'm going to have to write it myself. And then like, what do I want to do? And, um, you know, I, from my point, I was like, well, okay. Um, you know, if we look at like, what's the big three in terms of, uh, again, cause if you're doing an idle click game, then obviously you're, you're thinking, or at least I was thinking a uh, web page, then it's like, okay, what are the big three frameworks? And I'm like, okay, there's angular uh, view and react that I could use, you know, as the starting point, unless I wanted to go like, you know, jQuery all the things. Right. And, and as I was thinking through it, I'm like, okay. And again, all of this thought process was being shared, you know, in the stream. And, um, I, I just thought like, okay, well, of all of those frameworks, like, uh, you know, Angular is the the one that has been the 
longest amount of time since I last played with it. Since I la- like last did any real de- try try to do any kind of real development with it. Not necessarily like I mean I, I downloaded it and you know or uh, you know did some like just you know, ng create app kind of things and experiment and like oh yeah I saw that it has the tooling. But when I had last tried to do any development with Angular, the ng you know CLI wasn't even a thing. Right. And so I was like, okay, I, I think it's time to like go back to ang- give Angular another good go again. Plus, you know, as a, as a bonus, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, my day job, this wouldn't be a bad thing to know either. And so I'll go, I'll go with Angular. So yeah, there was no engine for it <laughs> other than, you know, Angular. I, I do want to play it too, though. Um, I don't think we actually had a rule about, uh, not using any assets like we uh we had an faq where said whatever you want to do is fine as long as you have the rights to it and i wanted to mention uh so we are very coding what? focused because what? no i thought yeah, we did uh no nah, really the opposite yeah what yeah. no yeah, you could do a, do a really anarchy, text, man. yeah he went he went the text page route then. <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is fine that's great uh, and we got some amazing pre- programmer art and there's a, you put your soul into program programmer art you know it's it's and it's really funny and quirky and, and really cool but i want to say too uh we're, so we're very code focused because you know coding podcasts all that stuff there were people that worked in teams and maybe they worked with a sound engineer who maybe didn't write a single line of code but still put a significant amount of time in making music making arts animation whatnot so i just wanted to say that like you know, it's whatever you need to do. Like, I, I would, I would consider you creating a game if you used like some sort of framework and like put a lot of time into, or put any time into maybe crafting a narrative or, you know, like, I, I think there's a variety of ways to, to create a game and they're, and they're all valid. Um, I think we just kind of have the, you know, the, the viewpoint of that. So I just wanted to mention that not, not to say that you're wrong out loud. I think you're, you're, you know, totally right about everything you said and where you're coming from. I just want to kind of point out that we have a strong bias in that direction. We didn't, I didn't want to offend anybody uh, because a, a lot of people did put in a, a lot of work in just different ways. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's fair. And some of the, some of the, the graphics and the music on some of the games too, the submissions are just so oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> there's a, what the Mandalorian game, uh, the Mando game, sorry, uh, TM, um, the music <laughs> for it. I was like, I want to download this track, man. That's some bass. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I think, um, Galat's adventure was another one that had, had some, some base about it. If I remember right, or maybe no, I'm thinking the wrong one. Uh, there, there was another one. Oh no, no, no. It was the, what was the fish game? Oh, <laughs> the yeah. fishy little ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name. Oh, geez. That, that yeah, we're, well, we're going to have to do another one. Too. We talk about it. it was so we'll good. do a video or something. Yeah. yeah. That was really good. Yeah. That, okay. That one of the game was really cool. Uh, yeah. We could talk about mechanics of games forever. That, like, I just got to call it real quick on that. There's a game where you you are a fish and you eat bigger fish and you get bigger. And I kept thinking like, oh, I'm going to eat a couple of these little fish and then I'm going to be the big fish chopping down these other guys. The thing is, as you got bigger, it got harder to maneuver. Yeah, so like you would think like, okay, now I'm going to go eat everybody. But it was so much easier to run into these bigger fish. And sure, there were fewer of them, but it was just easier to crash into them. So it's just it was a really smart way of kind of balancing the game so it was always challenging. And as soon as you thought like, okay, now I'm, I'm going to hit it. Uh, you know, I'm going to run free and kick everybody's butt. Like it, you know, it got hard in different ways. And then once you did finally like got past that final breaking point, it just felt really rewarding to just go through and, and like, take care of those last few fish. Yeah. yeah. That, it, some of the, some good. of them too, like, um, were just well thought out, like much better thought out than, than where I felt like mine was in terms of like the gameplay and, 
uh, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know if it was like they had already like, you know, long been thinking about like this idea or something like, but it was way better thought out. Um, then, then well, there's some full time game dev game devs or people that have had this had game dev as a, a hobby for a long time. Oh, it uh, makes it hard to really yeah, compare yeah. one game to another. You almost have to like kind of compare one game. Yeah, you have to kind of judge it in isolation. Okay, that's fair. And uh, you know what's cool about the site is you can follow people on there. And so if like if you see someone that has a cool idea, you realize you can follow them. And like next time they do a game jam or if they publish something else, like you can see what it is. Even if they're a contributor, they don't have to be the one that publishes it. I, I will say it was a little bit, um, uh, not disheartening, but like, um, it, it, it would take, it, it, it was difficult to not let it take some steam out of your sales. Cause like, <laughs> you know, you're developing a game and then you'd see a submission and you're like, Oh my God, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. In fairness, I, I mean, just looking at some of these, like some of these are things that have been around, right? I don't like, know. Well, I mean, I'm looking at some of these and they don't necessarily follow the theme and they look crazy polished. Yeah. Like more, really more than a, more than four days worth of work is but, basically what I'm getting at. Right. Well, I don't know though. I mean, to, to Joe's point though, like if you have uh, people in there that were like, you know, game dev is their, their job or they, this has been their hobby for, you know, years, then they probably like already have a lot of, um, you know, thoughts on like the, the, the mechanics and the game loop and all that, like that's second nature. So they're not, they're not really focused on that. Whereas like, you know, day one of my game, I spent a significant amount of time just trying to figure out like how I wanted the, the, the feedback to happen, like just trying to figure out like how to make that work in angular. Right. Whereas like, I don't know if I had to do it a second time, I would already have some tricks up my sleeve. Right. So oh, it'd yeah. be easier to make a pol- a more polished one, you know, if I were to do another idle click game using Angular. And I'll say too, like um, I thought in the beginning when I saw something, I was like, oh, obviously people are just going around cruising for game jams to submit to to get plays. And so, I, you know, I, I kind of suspect that. But after I played through, I don't know that I would accuse a single game that I played of doing that. Um, there was one that had like these um, these beautiful forests and a path. And like when I saw the screenshot, I was like, oh, this is someone obviously kind of has some tool or some assets. And you're talking about Soul together. Search? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so, that's the one I was looking at. That's the one. Yeah, I was like, no way this, this was done for CB Game Jam. Guess what? Uh, it was two people and it totally was. Uh, and, and when you play it, it's beautiful. It's like this kind of maze type thing. You go through and you find that, like these uh, these lost pieces of a broken soul in order to put together. And so um, the. Uh, like the game put together, I think they even said that this is the first game jam they ever contributed to. And so if you re- like read the description, you'll see. And over time and time again, I would think like, no way, this looks too good. Yeah. That game was an example where it looked so good. They talked about the lighting and stuff. Um, and how That's the original plan for the lighting was going to, it was literally going to take 48 hours to bake. And so they weren't going to be able to submit the game. And so they had some performance problems because they couldn't do the lighting because of the way, uh, you know, that's just one example. But time and time again, I would think like, no way this is like a game jam game. <laughs> I'll play it and then read descriptions or see how it tied into the theme. I was like, holy, holy crap. That's really cool then. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. And so I wanted to say, and just, you know, kind of like that too, like when you see some of these things, like sometimes it is a team or sometimes they, people use paid assets. I definitely use paid assets. You really have to judge your game against like kind of what you, what you did and what you wanted and what time you had. And, it, when, and you have to keep that in mind when you look at other people's games too, because it's totally valid for someone to spend one hour 
on you know a hello world kind of thing try to make something fun and submit because that's all they had time to do and you have to judge that like when i say judge too like the categories were like fun creativity i forget what the three were it was like three very like kind of you know minor things to to rate on so it's not like super grueling competition who's the best um battle royale it was fun creativity and quirky yeah and so I think, you know, I feel like you can tell a game like was done by a full time game dev and someone who's, uh, you know, never coded before in their life. And, you know, I try to, to vote on those kind of accordingly based on where I felt the people were. And I think most people do that. Yeah. The, the voting part is hard. Yeah. It really <laughs> the, is. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, it, it's harder than it sounds because like, you know, after, I mean, I, you know, you've been in the trenches, right? Like you, you've, you've, fought those battles, you know, you, you have, you have the scars from it. Right. And so you look at some of these games and it's like, even if the games that aren't as well polished, then you're still like, yeah, I I know the pains you went through. Like, I, I feel you, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? So like, it's hard for me to like, uh, you know, to, to, to feel like you could be, to, to feel like I can be critical about any of them. Oh, for sure. Uh, I rated Vite very highly. I figure, like, you know, there are things I, I don't think I gave below a three on anything, but I figure, you know, like the, the games that like truly were like five stars all around, I figure a little average to the top. Yeah. 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 It was, it was good though. I, I mean, at the end, I feel like, uh, you know, if nothing else, I'm now a full time Angular developer. So, you know, you're welcome. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, really though, like, um, because I was okay. So a big, huge help to me was the fact that I was, uh, streaming it live on Twitch. Like it might've been, I don't know that I, I might not have gotten anything submitted otherwise. Um, because specifically I, I want to thank uh column that he was, uh, um, I think he was from Ireland. If I remember right, he, he watched, um, the stream and, you know, he had all kind. He he's a full time Angular developer. He had all kinds of tips. He was like, "Oh, hey, uh, you know, th- that's not the Angular way that you should do this. Like, that's going to cause uh, memory leaks and whatnot." And you know, he was constantly like giving me little tips and pointers and and help along the way. That like, you know, had I not been streaming my efforts and you know somebody like that able to you know that is more experienced to to, to watch and kind of like act as my uh, my my Angular shaman to you know help me. Uh, you know, along the way, like, I, I don't know that I would have had anything to submit. Yeah, that's, that's a tip I had up there, too. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I mean, even in the little amount that I did stream, same type thing, right? Like, people would, hey, why don't you, hey, go look at this over there. Go try this. And it's like, hey, that's actually extremely effective, especially when you're learning oh, yeah. something, right? And and it's just, you know, at times I'm sure it could be a little bit overwhelming if you have a lot of voices in there, which I didn't. So it was actually really useful. I mean, even, even on uh, like the day one, when I was trying to figure out like how observables work with, um, with Angular, you know, like, um, Jamie, uh, GA Progman, he, he was in there watching the stream and he was like, Oh, I think this is the way. And like, you know, try this and, you know, see if this works. Well, like, you know, it's just random little things like that that were like helping me along the way that, uh, proved to be in you know an invaluable resource. So, yeah, I've thought about like, um, you know, I, I would definitely stream my efforts again. But you know, even for like, hey, let's let's learn uh, you know a new language, you know, and just start from scratch and like 
just jump on a stream and, and let, you know, uh, others, uh, you know, kind of help along the way. Cause it was basically like, it was almost like in a way pair programming, but through Twitch, it was weird. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, That's and even at the end, Twitch overall. like I, I had mentioned like, Oh, <laughs> I feel guilty. Like, you know, like th- I was like, man, maybe you should just submit a pull request, uh, column. Cause like, I, you know, I want the, I want the Git log to show, you know, some of your efforts here. And, uh, you know, he, he was a gentleman about it and was like, no, 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 it's not necessary, but yeah. Oh yeah. Actually, I've seen some of Jay-Z streams and he definitely like when he was doing the 30 days of code or whatever and, and that he would go through that, right? Like, Oh, I think I'm going to do this. And somebody might say something to him. He's like, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Let me try this. Right. So it's, it's very much an interactive way to, Oh yeah, let's, let's try these other ideas out or whatever. Like it's truly helpful. I mean, you, you brought up 30 days of code, um, the advent of code, like, uh, I, I was thinking about doing that. I was like, you know, oh, maybe I should like jump on like a, um, um, what's the, uh, code warrior? No, uh, lead code. Uh, yeah, or like lead code or something like that. Like do, do like a, a code wars is the one I was thinking of. Thank you. And like just try to do like, okay, let's just pick some kind of challenge and see what, see how many of these we could get through, right? Like, um, but yeah, like I, I definitely, that was one of my favorite parts about it was it was, it was tiring to be on the stream as long as I was, yeah. but at the same time, it was also kind of awesome. So yeah, it was cool being part of the event. Cause I know like when I would break for lunch, whatever, I'd pop over your stream for a little bit and that was fun. And, uh, I'd call him, help me out too. Like actually the, one of the first, uh, versions of the game, I had a boar uh, idea for like a, a boar flying boar boss named column, uh, after column, but that got cut, unfortunately. Uh, and, and D squared for Daniel, uh, Absolution, Devin, and Kaprogman. You know how many different languages Mr. .NET Core, Kaprogman, Jamie has helped me with now? Right. He's helped me with Python stuff, Kubernetes stuff, like .NET stuff. I mean, it's just crazy. That, that guy, that guy. <laughs> Speaking of lessons learned though, uh, I definitely like learned a valuable lesson from the Twitch raids. Oh okay, yeah, that yeah, that, such a great idea. Is it? Because I don't what, know. What maybe I'm doing it raid? wrong. What is it? I tell you what I thought it was, and maybe we go from there, and somebody could tell me what it actually is. Because what I thought it was going to be would be like, um, like Joe and I would get into a raid together, and basically, like, you know, whoever's like, you could see both chats happening concurrently, right? It's what I kind of thought it was, like, you know group party kind of thing. But at least the software that I was using, I was using OBS studio. Um, when, when I went into the raid, I no longer saw my channels chat. I only saw Joe's. And so I didn't realize it, but there was like, you know, hours of conversation that were happening in mine, uh, that, that I totally missed that. I didn't realize. Oh, uh, that's why. Okay. Yeah. I thought I, and and then Joe pings me later, and he's like, "Hey, man, you ever gonna read your chat?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about? I'm totally reading my chat. Here's the last thing that was said." And I'm like, "What? Yeah. Is, what is he getting at?" And then I went poking around and saw that even after you had left, I was still it was still showing me your chat, and and that's when I realized, like, "Oh man, yeah. I've missed all this stuff." Like, yeah. Oh, so I don't uh, understand the point of the raids. I I gotta like figure that out. 
Yeah, I'm reading about it right now. It's totally not what you thought it was. Well, yeah, so for me, what I would do is like if I was streaming, I had a couple people, uh, you know, in chat, whatever. I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna break for lunch. Let's find somebody who's doing CB Jam. So there's a few times I would like look at the hashtag. I would search Twitch, and then I, I would uh, then if nobody else, I would go to like uh, an Allen or Outlaw, just because uh, you know trying to spread the love and not uh, and not support my friends. <laughs> It seems a lot, but you know, I wanted to share the love. So I'd always try to find somebody that was streaming. And whenever I was done, I was like, raid. And what it does is it dumps everyone who's watching you over to their channel. Right. And then you can leave whatever and you just kind of leave them there. So it's a, it's a great way to kind of introduce people like, Hey, uh, I see Progman's, uh, streaming. Let, let's go over there and we're going to raid and then I'm going to go to lunch and you guys are all here. And if, if you want to go or somhere else, that's fine, whatever. But it's a, it's a good, good chance to kind of introduce audiences to new people. So right. all but it is the is, key is after you're done with yours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so so it's just dumping your viewers into another channel. Yep. Yep. And it doesn't necessarily stop yours, which was actually a mistake I made. There's a point when I uh, I think I raided Outlaw, hung around for a few minutes, and then went and got food. And uh, someone messaged me and was like, "Hey, by the way, you're still streaming." And I looked and like, I had like gone to like Hacker News afterwards. I was like taking a little break. I was watching Outlaw's thing. And <laughs> so my part of my screen was like, and it was weird because it was like um, an obituary for somebody like in computer science, uh, you know, whatever that died. So I was just kind of reading about their contributions and it was like, oh, that's pretty awkward. And it would have been up there for like 45 minutes while I went and got food. It's <laughs> like, man, I hope I didn't, uh, you know, take a shower and walk in front of the, like my shower is right next to my camera. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't know what you're saying, and I don't yeah, think I want to know. In trouble there. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Datadog, the monitoring and security platform for end-to-end visibility into modern applications. Security threats in cloud-native environments move fast, which means that security teams need to have the same visibility into their infrastructure, network, and applications as developers and operations. With Datadog security monitoring, engineering teams can easily detect malicious activity in real time before it affects their customers. And I mean, you've heard us talk about this before. They, they have 400, it's incredible, 400 plus integrations. And when we talk about like, uh, Datadog knows no, they have no bounds. So when we talk about like using Datadog for security monitoring, I mean, they have uh, integrations, built in integrations for like Okta, Vault, G Suite, Auth0, you name it. They've got you covered it for whatever your monitoring needs, especially security. And that's really important because as your applications grow and evolve, it can be really hard to know what's going on, really hard to diagnose problems when they happen and even know when problems occur, which is really scary, especially when you start thinking about uh, things like security. So you can use these out-of-the-box detection rules and detailed observability data in one uniform, excuse me, unified platform to investigate security attacks. Yeah, so you can see it in action by signing up for a live security demo, and you can also receive a Datadog t-shirt by visiting datadoghq.com slash codingblocks. Again, that's datadoghq.com slash codingblocks. Okay, so it's that time of the show where we ask again, if you haven't had a chance to and you would like to you know, put a smile on our faces and give back to us a little bit. If you wouldn't mind going to codingblocks.net slash review and hitting the link there to either leave us a review on iTunes or maybe we'll update this to go to Audible as well. That would be amazing. I mean, that's, it, it truly does mean a lot to us when we get to see how we've impacted people's lives and, you know, whether or not we're just giving somebody a laugh on their commute. So if you have a chance, please do go do that. 
All right. And with that, we head into my favorite portion of the show. Hey, wait a minute before we do. Uh, why did it take Dad an hour to choose which skin cream to buy? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. He didn't want to make a rash decision. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. With that, we head into my favorite portion of the show. Survey says. All right. Um, so a few episodes back when we were talking about, uh, game jam and, you know, we were still all, uh, you know, uh, like optimistic about where it would go and, you know, these grand visions and ideas of like what we would do. We asked, what kind of game do you want to make? And your choices were puzzle. Because I want my players to suffer as I have suffered making this game. (laughs) Or first-person shooter, what else is there? Or roguelike, because procedural procedural generation is kind of like a game for the programmer. Or RPG, it's kind of like writing fan fiction, and that's awesome. Or platformer, like Mario, not the shoes. Or racing, (laughs) mama... (laughs) I want to go fast. <laughs> I forgot we just left the other note here. Um, <laughs> or a turn-based strategy because all your base are belong to me. All right. So uh, let's let Alan go first. Oh, wait. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, with our with our yeah, strategy from T. Tutko, uh, it would be Alan's turn because this is odd. So uh, an odd-numbered episode. So. So the odd one gets to pick. All right. So yeah, we'll call you the odd one. Yeah. I, so what kind of game do you want to make? I'm going to go with, with platformer because we all love platformers, whether or not we play them every day. We all know we spent hours and hours playing Mario. So I'm going to go platformer and there's a lot of decisions here. So I'm going to say 28%. Okay. Platformer 28. There was actually some uh, platformer games. Yeah, a, a lot. Yeah, maybe it, even it, most. Adventures <laughs> of Mathema Chicken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna. I, I think that platformer is probably the answer, but uh, I'm gonna go with puzzle uh, with 25 percent just in case. Okay, so platformer at 28 for Alan and puzzle at 25 for Joe. Puzzle would have been my second, also. Okay, well then, uh, in that case. Puzzle was second, so you would have been uh, correct with that guess. But first place was roguelike. Yes. So you're both Yes. Yes. Wow, Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Roguelike with 22% of the vote. Oh, so it was spread out pretty even then. Yeah, it went roguelike, puzzle, turn-based. Those were top three, and like turn-based and puzzle were tied at uh, about nineteen percent of the vote, so I mean, well, people you know, between those between those three, you're you're pushing like the sixty percent of the vote right there. Hmm. Um, All right. With the red rest being spread around, platformer was actually you know much lower at thirteen percent. Wow, so, well, I would have guessed that was. It seemed like that most games were platformers, but maybe. But you know, it's never just a platformer. It's almost always like platformer with a puzzle or platformer with right. I mean, what's Terraria? Is that that's a that's crafting former crafting. Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah. I don't know what you'd call it. 2D okay. side scroller action. I don't know. 
Yeah. <laughs> right? Isn't that what a platformer kind of is? And at the time, like, you know, uh, my genre isn't even on there, you know? Oh, right. We, yeah. we didn't yeah, even think about yeah. that at the time. Yeah, that's funny. So, yeah. Uh, it's all interesting, though. Yeah, um, my game was more like a clicker, kind of, in some ways. Anything else? Like, a, not, not a, It's like clicker without the clicking. Uh, clicker. <laughs> this is all about clicking. timers. Well, you know, another another type of game that we didn't mention that's like, uh, you know, a favorite of mine, uh, one of my favorite genres for like, you know, you don't have to like put a lot of I guess? brain Can in I it. Guess? Yeah, go ahead for it. Tower Defense. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And there were some Tower Defense games. And when I saw them, I was like, oh, my God, why didn't I think to make a Tower Defense game? Yeah. Like, I love those. Like, my first my first experience with tower defense games was literally called Desktop Tower Defense. Oh, that one was so good. Man. Oh, God, Back I love that game. Games. Yes. Yeah. The game was so good, man. Did you ever try to do the level where it was like uh, you start out with like, I don't know, like a million – credits and you and you could just build whatever uh, map you want and you but yet yeah. you got to survive a hundred levels and the creeps would just get like super hard do yeah, you ever play that level i don't know i don't know if i did that one but uh, my, i play levels like it my, my question is how long did that particular one take like to, to, are, to make that like the hundred levels like i mean were you sitting at your computer for like 10 hours oh no 100 oh. waves of enemies no yeah it was 100 waves like it it that to play that i mean it was I uh, think like a forty-five minute to an hour-long investment to. Oh, that's to play not it. terrible. Okay, um, if I remember correctly, but it, it it took me a while to figure out like how to do it. Like I I ended up beating it by doing this like juggling act, you know, where uh, that was like. If you've never played the played the game, then that probably doesn't make sense. But desktop tower defense was one of those tower defense games that, um, like a lot of tower defense games have a preset map you know, preset route that the creeps have to follow along, right? Like, uh, balloons is another current one on, um, you know, for like the iOS, there's multiple versions. Actually it's on every platform really. But, um, uh, but you know, they have like a preset route already and you're just putting your, your towers around that map. But one of the things that I loved about desktop tower defense that was kind of unique to it is that it was an open map. Like you made the path where you wanted the creeps to go. And, you know, would then put your towers in place. And because of that, you could do this thing where you could, um, uh, you could never like, Zigzag. you could never make a closed path, like, you know, cause then the creeps would just not go down that. And, and if that was the only route, if you try to close the only way, then it wouldn't let you place a tower there. So, um, what I later figured out was like, you could make this like windy route, that had like two exits and you, you would just juggle, uh, you know, you would toggle where they, you know, which side was open. And that way you could keep all the creeps inside of your map for as long as possible so that you could, so they get close to exit a and then you delete, you, you open up. So now both exits are open and then you close exit a. So they have to go backwards to get yes, to exit B. Exactly. Sorry. That was a much better way of saying it. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, oh, and, cause you set it up. So, so you would keep juggling it like that. Um, because in that hundred level version, hundred wave version that we're talking about, like by the time you got into like the last 25%, they were super, super hard. And the ones that were super annoying in that game were the, the creeps that could fly because it didn't mm-hmm. matter what your ground strategy was. They weren't going to 
go that way anyways. Like there was no juggling the the flying ones. They were just going to fly over it. Period. Yeah. So yeah, um, such a good game though, man. Oh. There were several games that, uh, or not, so but um, it's variations on towers breaking down. So that was so funny to like think like, okay, this one's getting passed, but it's fine. I got a strong backlight. Oh, it's all gone. Yeah, we go ah, fix them up. Yeah, and that was another good thing too about the about the um, you know, desktop tower defense that had like this you you know interesting spin on it was that like to it would get progressively slower to destroy a tower. So that that juggling that you were talking about about like where you would you know um you know, destroy the tower so that you know, it, it was like you would sell the tower back. Um, so when you would sell that tower to open up exit B, like it would get progressively slower each time that you would do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're getting less money than you pay for it. So you had to like keep that idea, you know, you had to, you had to have an idea of like how much you, you have to spend on it as to like, can I afford to, to sell this right now? Cause I'm not gonna be able to afford to rebuy another one. Um, yeah, it was, it was a fun game, but yeah, I don't know. All right. So for this episode survey, we ask, Hey, what's your favorite lesson learned from game jam? And your choices are less is more or focus on playability or just like Johnny five need more graphics. Oh wait, input, uh, or <laughs> don't worry about graphics. Or think like a player or, oh my God, I need to theme the submission page or include instructions, video and or screenshots with your submission. So it'd be interesting to see like what that, what that comes out. This episode is sponsored by data stacks. If you've done curbside pickup from a major retail store, checked Pinterest or watched a movie on Netflix, you're already a Cassandra user. Why not make something amazing with Cassandra yourself? Yeah, DataStacks Astra does the heavy lifting of managing infrastructure, serverless scaling, operations, creating data access APIs, all so that you can focus on the code that matters to you. Astra automatically provides standard, developer-friendly APIs like REST, GraphQL, schemaless JSON documents, and even their native CQL query language. It's like an easy button for a scale-out, always-on database as a service that spans the globe. And I've been really excited about Cassandra for a long time, and we actually got a, a really uh, amazing tour of uh, what DataStacks has to offer. And it is just dead simple to get started with and get going, which is fantastic because, you know, we <laughs> it's hard to find time, right? Uh, and that's kind of the limiting factor in playing with new technologies, and they've really made it easy and powerful to get started. And so I'm really excited about getting my hands dirty. Yeah, and like Joe said, like you can start building your applications faster. You can use REST and GraphQL, uh, JSON document APIs, all from day one. Scale elastically with it. You know, you can eliminate the the overhead and the time necessary to install and operate and scale your own Cassandra cluster. And instead, using uh, data stacks, you can have you know uh, a Cassandra environment where you can deploy to multi cloud, multi tenant. Or dedicated clusters on AWS, Azure, or Google, you know, your choice, whatever you want. And, you know, you sign up and start within minutes. You can have a five, up to five gig free, no credit card needed, uh, Cassandra cluster running. Yeah. 
you can get started on any cloud, just like Michael said a second ago, in five minutes or less. Go to Datastacks, that's with an X, datastacks.com slash codingblocks. Again, that's D-A-T-A-S-T-A-X dot com slash codingblocks to sign up today and get a free $300 credit with promo code codingblocks. All right, so on with the tips. Uh, one thing that I, I kind of really noticed afterwards is that uh, some people really played into the theme in a deep way, and it really worked. And sometimes people tacked it in, tacked it on, and some people didn't do it at all. And I, I think that, um, you know, there, like there was kind of like a little bit in my mind when I was kind of reading games afterwards where like if it didn't seem to fit the theme at all or, or less, then, you know, it was kind of, you know, maybe I wouldn't rate it as high. And the ones that like really went deep in the theme, I think I, I did. But ultimately, like I think my experience with the game wasn't really affected that much by how much I put in the theme. So I think next game jam, if I couldn't think of something that really worked with the theme, I would just do whatever I wanted anyway. <laughs> I think that's fair. I mean, the theme shouldn't stop you from having fun and learning, right? Yeah. If you want to do it and just and go after it. Yeah. So I think what I'm trying to say is that like, if you've got a good idea that works with the theme, awesome, go all in. But if you don't, like, don't feel like you have to kind of, you know, shove it in there because, uh, like, after playing 46 games, uh, you know, there were a couple that you could tell kind of struggled with trying to figure out the theme. It's like, it's almost like just don't, don't even bother because <laughs> I'm playing, you know, 45 other games that did go into the theme. Like, you know, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know. I just, I felt like it was optional. But of course, the ones that really, really went after it, like, that's a, a definite big bonus. Yeah, I can I can say that um, selfishly, while I didn't write down any ideas or anything like that until the actual start of the the game jam, I did have um, in, a couple ideas in my mind. And I, that Wednesday when we did the um, the drawing, there were four choices, but there were two of them that I was like selfishly like, oh my god, I hope it's one of these two. I hope it's one of these two. And it was. Um, Everything is broken and it's not a bug. Those are my two as well. Yeah. I I was so, I was so hoping that it would be one of those two um, because like the ideas that I already had kind I was like, okay, I can fit the, either of these ideas into those themes. I can make it work for either one of those themes. These other themes like, Oh, uh, hmm, I don't know. I'll have to figure I would have to like rethink that. And, um, you know, sometimes just trying to like get the creative thoughts, you know, started can, can take some time. And I'm like, I don't want to waste any time with just trying to think up a theme for the game or an idea for the game on, you know, day one of the jam. Right. Like I, I at least wanted to go into it with a theme idea already in mind. Yeah. And I should mention too, um, I think Dave, uh, originally suggested, uh, super good Dave, uh, follow it to, uh, s- three of the final four, I want to say theme ideas. And not only that, but like, he actually, uh, you know, I talked with him a lot before we, like, as we were kind of playing the, playing jam, it, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't end up being able to participate and like make a game, unfortunately. Uh, but, uh, so much of what we ended up going with, with like rules, the, even how we voted on the theme and all that stuff were, were his ideas and even the final themes that we ended up. So I just want to give him a special shout out for, for really being such a big part of this kind of behind the scenes. Oh, I, I found the other two. The other two were end of the world and evil is okay. Oh yeah, I, I liked all of them. <laughs> it's not that I didn't like any of them. It's just that I had like an yeah. I had some game ideas already in mind that would fit well with uh, the other two. Plus, 
just like also kind of being selfish about it from like a, a you know, this show and the audience, like it's all about, you know, developers more than any, that's the, the central theme of the show, right. And in, in the community. And so I'm like, okay, those, those two, everything is broken and it's not a bug are really like dev like, you yeah. know? So I was kind of like, Oh, that'd be kind of cool if it was, you know, more Cody like, you know, and, you know, um, we talked about maybe doing another episode about like kind of our favorite in game mechanics and stuff. Like, it, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to drive people nuts who, you know, so I don't know if you guys are sick of hearing about the game jam or, or not. I hope not, but there's so many games I want to tell you. Like, I'm just like, Oh, I'll, like, did you play the one where, um, <laughs> that were just so good and they're like relevant to like programming stuff, especially with the theme being everything is broken. So many games played into like the, the notion of the game being broken. Or the controls being broken, or you having to do things in order to fix the game, in order to get, and just so creative, and I just think funny. So uh, you should definitely check those out. Now, maybe maybe we'll talk about it in a future episode. Maybe we won't. I don't know, but um, just wanted to mention that this, the theme ended up being way cooler than I thought it would be. Yeah. Hey, I I have a question for you guys. So a few episodes back, I think when we were doing the DevOps stuff. Like we had, we had had a question that we had posed to each other. Like, hey, if you had the top three things to focus on, something like that, right? Oh Which yeah, would yeah. You security, go or- <laughs> right? Uh, uh, the the development or the deployment pipeline, the build pipeline, all that kind of stuff, right? Did any of you guys follow with what you said there? Like, did did any of you set up a build pipeline? Did any of you set up? Did you do any of that? I, I, well, I cheated. Oh, okay. I, so I cheated in that uh, I created a sampled game jam uh, private and I cr- created a game and submitted it. So I knew what that process was like and I was able to discover a couple tools for uh, deploying Python to Windows as executable and using a, a tool from itch called Butler that made it easy to like deploy releases and stuff. So for me, it was like I didn't automate it fully. I didn't set up like Jenkins or anything, but I had uh, two commands. I would like actually run in the IDE. I would run a build configuration to do my publish, which would like um, set up my would generate all my binaries. And I had a one liner that I would just copy and paste. That would actually upload it. So I didn't even have to think about it. So in a sense, like I did kind of set up my pipeline, or at least I had my pipeline strongly in mind when I started. That's cool. Did you did you use any uh, source control? Oh yeah, you did. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. Get in fact um. Uh, so uh, Absolution uh, 1383 uh, noticed that uh, my Git pushes to main were failing. Uh, and I had I'd done all this you know programming stuff. I didn't realize I'd never actually pushed to GitHub. But it was because I, uh, I had checked in some PSDs that were hundreds of megabytes. And GitHub has a hard limit on 100 megabyte files. And so I, <laughs> I ended up trying to figure out how to delete those. But, of course, they were in the Git history. And so I just ended up wiping all my history. Because, you know, I don't plan on maintaining this version of the game, so it wasn't a big deal. But that was, like, one of the things where I had to spend, like, an hour or so trying to figure out how to kind of clean up my Git history because I had goofed up. So, real-world real learning on the fly. That's good. Yeah, totally. All right. What about you, Outlaw? I mean, it was something, again, you know, go back to, like, where I had started day one, right? <clears throat> you know, Docker was on my mind. Kubernetes was on my mind. So, I definitely had uh, a pipeline idea in, in place and because also like scaffold like if you were to look at my readme like you know i talked about like hey maybe i can you know y- use scaffold dev for this thing so it was definitely on my mind but then because I, I was able to cheat it because um because i was able to you know because i used angular and ended up creating my own thing from scratch i could just ng test ng serve and ng test the thing and you know, I never had to worry about anything. Like every time I was saving files, like it was, 
uh, automatically, you know, rerunning all of my unit tests. And I was constantly like, I, I got some jokes from, uh, you know, I'm not going to say from which one of my co-hosts whose name might rhyme with, uh, Mo, but, uh, I got some jokes about like the, uh, you know, I was, ha- I was constantly adding unit tests to my, to my code, um, which actually ended up being like helpful. I mean, there were definitely times where I was like, okay, I got to refactor this stuff and I would refactor something and then a test would fail and I'd be like, Oh, what did I do wrong? And, and then I would figure it out. So like that ended up being a big thing. And then I was able to further iterate on that whole pipeline idea. Uh, like I said, because I, I used Netlify. And so then every time I would get push, uh, you know, Netlify would automatically redeploy my app for me. And so, um, yeah, I, I would say that, uh, you know, just because of the the choices that I made, I ended up having a very strong, uh, pipeline and experience, you know, so, so, so definitely focused on CICD, uh, whether cool. I wanted it to be or not. And you said you use Netlify. So that basically means that you were also using Git for your source control then, right? Yeah. I, I was just pushing everything up into GitHub. So yeah. Okay. Use, use Git. Sure. Right. This guy yeah. used Git. Right. <laughs> you know, well, speak. I think the only question that a lot of us are asking ourselves after having played, uh, you know, done the game jam and playing some of the games is, you know, are you falling in love with the mirror? I think that's the big, the big question, the big takeaway from the game. Are you falling uh, in love with the mirror? I mean, yeah, I definitely did. My game's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, do you not catch the reference? No. Not what? even a little bit. Really? Okay. Joe, you don't either? No. I'm just All saying, right, there's a game that you got to play that I know you've played, Joe, but if you haven't played it yet, Alan, there's a game that you got to play uh, that it's so hilarious because <laughs> during the game, it'll be like, are you, it's all robotic voice too. And it's like, are you falling in love with the mirror? Oh, that, oh my gosh, I totally forgot. It wasn't totally. Dude, that game was crazy. (laughs) That game, um, so I, that was one of the games where I was like, there's no way that someone just did this for CB Jam. The, the, um, the game photo, uh, the screenshot, title screen. A little questionable, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, it was risky. I was like, oh, geez, I got to play this one just to make sure that it's it's not awful. (laughs) You know, it's like something I need to, you know, we need to remove this game. Uh, and I played it and it it actually did kind of um, factor into like broken relationships and, um, it was this crazy like runner game that was really fast and scary. And when you would trip on these weird broken bodies and say, are you falling in love with the mirror? Yeah, so <laughs> the game was awesome, man. Yeah. I think I know which one you're talking about. I will give it, I will give it a shot. I have not had a chance to play any of these because work has destroyed my life. Yeah. When you do get a chance, man, you should like, Hey, you should stream it just for fun. But so many games, you're just going to laugh and laugh and laugh at the ridiculous of some of the things that happen. Uh, so yeah. that's a really good idea. I think that may be what I do is I'll go through and stream playing these and yeah, because I definitely. can't actually rate them because I didn't submit a game. Because oh, I got, right. Yeah. I can't rate any of them. So maybe this will be my way to give some feedback on some of these. But can uh, are comments open then? If uh, you didn't yeah, com- yeah. You can comment. Oh, yeah. I can okay. comment, but I can't rate them. Yeah. <laughs> there's, one, there's so many times I just laughed out loud at the brokenness of something where you're like, yeah, um, there's a, I think you played this one as like a, like a circle game or a marble game where you like the keys would change on the directions. Oh my God. 
And so I'd be like, okay, they just changed. Now, in order to go left, I need to push this button. And I would push the wrong button, and I would just roll off a cliff. Like, that that game was called Frustrating, and it totally yes. lives up to its name. Because, yeah, it totally threw me off. I didn't know what to expect. And and uh, the way I was playing it embedded through Itch, the like when it would show you the controls – they were like a little small and I didn't like, I was like, okay, I know the WASD keys. I don't, I don't need to pay attention to it. And I didn't realize that it was telling me that, no, they're remapped. You need to pay attention to it. <laughs> and so I'm like, wait, why is this not working? Like, they did like everything purpose. is literally broken in this game. Like, why is it not working? Right. Yeah. And it was so, it was like such a mind, uh, what's a polite way of say this, a mind, uh, uh, Mm. A, a screw mind yeah um, something like that it definitely yeah, messed with yeah. your mind how about that uh yeah. in trying to like get to the end but then when you finally do get to the end like i was like every keystroke that i would use i would do like because in the beginning you're like just yeah hammering through the keys bang, 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 moving along but then when you get to the end you're like okay one key at a time Boom. So that's basically Boom. like typing on the moon lander, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Except you can't mess up because you have to go back to the checkpoint. Which oh, thank God yeah. that game had checkpoints. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was another so, thing that was so smart that some several of the games had was like a checkpoint. I was like, Yeah. So you don't have to replay the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about uh, uh, Galat's Adventure was one of those yep. where it was like, you know, there were definitely parts of that game where I, I had trouble. Like doing the double jumps, like I could, oh, yeah. I could never get my timing right on some of the some portions of it, and I was like, oh man, thank God I'm not starting over from the very beginning because of you know, like I can't get the timing right. Yeah, and you know that's one thing. Uh, I uh, one of my tips is I had think about the player over and over and over and over again because, like with the game jam, like chances are most players aren't going to spend more than like five, ten, maybe fifteen minutes, like. 20s pushing it for how much time they're going to spend on your game. So like you really need to make it easy to understand what the goal is, what they're supposed to do, like make it dumb. Like I saw a lot of games that was really great idea. Like they would just have the instructions or like, you know, how to jump or whatever, just in the map on the back wall, you know, or just like text, just plus this to jump. Um, uh, there were a couple too. I just had to mention where um, you could have uh, affect parameters like shooting speed or jump speed, or um, you would kind of hack different items in the game to make them do things. And man, it was so much fun to just put ridiculous numbers. It was like, so <laughs> there's one game where you could like set your, the gravity and like the jump speed. And man, uh, I would like, first thing I do is like set it to a million. It's like, pew, off the map. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so it was just, it led to these fun moments because you gave the players freedom. And so I, I think they did a great job, a great job at that. I, I mean, in talking about like, um, thinking about the player or think like a player, like one that, that I thought was just, a, incredibly well done in that regard was a uh, heartbreak. Like, mm, yeah, it, it really gives you the instructions to like, Hey, here's what you can do. Like, and here's what you need to do. Like there was no question about that. Right. Like, um, I know that, like in my game, there were people that were like, wait, I don't understand. Like, how do I get to this? How do I get to that? And that was like one of the things that I didn't get to. Cause there was, <clears throat> I had left a, a, a space for where I had wanted like instructional messages to go and ran into some trouble getting, you know, uh, just, you know, the angular foo that I needed in order to like figure out how to make that part work the way I wanted it to. And so I didn't do that. So like I had people that were like, Hey, how do I do this? And I'm like, Oh yeah, well you gotta blah, 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 blah. But it was the fact that I had to go back and explain it. But then you have a game like heartbreak where it was like constantly walking the user through like 
here's here's why this matters. Here's what you got to do. Here's the objective. Go do this, you know, and things like that. There was like, oh, that's such a great idea. Yeah, and it's not a lot with the game design. Like you mentioned, frustrating. Um, there's another game where um, you go through a tower. And so the first level, you basically you would have to try to die. And the second level would introduce one challenge that kind of taught you to, you know, some other mechanic and it would just kind of ramp up until the end. You're doing these complex things. And so it just did a really smart, uh, it was a really smart way of teaching the player without it being boring. And, uh, the, I think the, the best game is basically had a good way of teaching you and ramping up the difficulty in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Linode. You can simplify your infrastructure and cut your cloud bills in half with Linode's Linux virtual machines. Develop, deploy, and scale your modern applications faster and easier. Whether you're developing a personal project or managing larger workloads, you deserve simple, affordable, and accessible cloud computing solutions. Get started on Linode today with a $100 free credit for our listeners of Coding Box. And I, I can't emphasize that enough. $100 in free credit. When you go and sign up, you can find all the details you need at linode.com slash coding blocks to take advantage of this offer. Linode has data centers around the world with the same simple and consistent pricing, regardless of the location. And uh, so I mentioned, uh, I think last time that I set up a Kubernetes cluster with three nodes uh, turned out uh, I was running Elastic, which uh, by default wanted a little bit more memory. So I just went ahead and killed that cluster and started up a new one with two nodes with a lot more memory. And I did that in like another five minutes, especially since I've done it again. And uh, it's looking like I still have like another two months of that free credit to go. So who knows? Maybe I'll knock it down again and see what else I can do, which is really just great to be able to kind of spin up those those nodes and get my hands, uh, you know, hands dirty uh, messing around with this stuff. And uh, it's, I mean, just been dead simple. They just drop, they just give me the info just to drop them in my cube context. So it's just, uh, it couldn't be easier to set up. And I've been really happy with just click, click, boom. Yeah. And I think it's really important to understand that that $100 it, it only it only gets charged up against while those nodes are running. So if you spin up a cluster and you want to play with Kubernetes or Elasticsearch or whatever, and you only have it running five minutes, you didn't really spend any money. So, you know, just know that you can go play around with things and explore their environment with the nodes and the various different pieces they have. And, and you can do it relatively inexpensively and that hundred dollars can go a long way. So it's definitely worth checking out. So, you can choose the data center that's nearest to you. You also receive 24-7, 365 days a year, human support with no tiers or hands-off regardless of what your plan size is. You could choose shared and dedicated compute instances, or you can use your $100 in credit on S3-compatible object storage. Guys, that's a big deal, right? Whatever code you write here will work on this, AWS, or you know anything that has that same compatible API. And you also have access to managed Kubernetes and more. And if it runs on Linux, and I mean, everything runs on Linux, right? The world runs on Linux. It runs on Linode. Visit linode.com slash coding blocks and click on the create free account button to get started. Well, I got um, one thing I mentioned. Oh, do you have something? No, I was getting ready to say, I think it's the this one up here. Is somebody mentioned use tools. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like... Uh, if and if you don't want if you want to go from scratch that's fine too but um i used uh, a couple tools like um the one i really want to call that is tiled which let me do some really cool maps really quickly and then drawing them was um was uh just simple it was basically like 
I imported a library and was like library.draw and it just rendered my background and I was able to do all sorts of cool stuff like that. And yeah, there was some learning curve that I recommend spending some time up front to kind of learn in. Um, but I mean, it was just really ramped up how quickly I was able to do some things, which is good because I ended up not using the map anyway. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's good that I didn't spend a whole lot of time <laughs> rendering and drawing tiles and stuff. So what did you think of, cause you did your game in uh pie game. What was your takeaways from that? Would, did you like it or not? Oh, it, it was great. I mean, it's fantastic. Pi game is a really good mix of like, um, being simple, uh, and not offering you too much. So like it's got methods for sprite drawing and sprite hiding and, uh, play sound and, you know, loop sound and like things at a very low level. Um, so, you know, no shaders, no meshes, no, you know, whatever. Uh, but it was really good if it was like as a programmer, like, uh, you know, is I just want to make, this thing move up by 10. And so it gave me easy ways to do that. When I um, mess with things like unity, sometimes it would be kind of hard because it was so advanced. Like, well, first you got to set gravity and then you got to set to this platform and, Oh, it didn't work because you got to go right click this thing. And all those things make the experience better. And, uh, you know, especially if putting a lot of time into the game, but it kind of makes it harder as a, like a developer who just wants to make it move by 10, you know, because you've got to go through their layers of abstraction. In Pi Games and IDE, like Godot and Unity and all that stuff? Uh, no. No, oh. it's just an import. Oh. <laughs> okay. So mm-hmm. you were having – so when you said move by 10, you're talking about encode, move by 10. Yeah, literally. I got like you. Sprite, find its rectangle, move by 10. You want to know if it collided with something? Be like, well, does this rectangle collide with that rectangle? Okay. So it's it's definitely more for the hardcore wanting to to get some text out there. That's I think that's one thing I appreciated about the Godot experience was what you were just saying about setting gravity and all that stuff. It was there in the toolbar, yeah. right? Like it's almost like the Visual Studio for wind forms or type thing. You know, it's just really well done. So yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so an import. Mm-hmm. You you basically had a library you were working with. Yeah, and if you're collaborating with people, I mean, having that stuff so you don't have to teach them, well, here's how I do gravity or here's how I do, um, you know, rigid physics or rigid body or, you know, whatever whatever it is, like, that. Uh, everyone who knows that tool, like, has those things in common. So, I mean, that's definitely the way to go, especially if you're new, I would say, like, it's much better to use a, a library uh, or, the, like, a tool like Unity or Godot or something because they kind of teach you the concepts and teach you what patterns make sense. If you don't know what patterns make sense, you can get yourself into all sorts of trouble. And, and like, you know, that's what I do all the time. But I also – I still like it. So, I, you know, I was really happy with Pi Game. I, I wouldn't do it again because uh, I, I couldn't figure out a good way of running it in a browser. And, yeah, I know there's ways to do Python to web of silly, but there's a lot of stuff with Pi Game that where it uses, like, your uh, specific operating systems, like – graphic libraries and stuff to, to render and that stuff just doesn't translate. And so there's some people that have ported parts of it, but it was just going to be a total time and sink, I think. So, uh, yeah. And I knew that going in cause I had tried for a long time and I just decided to do it cause I, w- I really wanted to use Pi game. I wanted to learn Python better. So, you know, mission accomplished. I knew, but, uh, next time, nah. Okay. Yeah. That was one of the takeaways that I was curious about. It's like, you know, would you do it again? And did, did you like it enough that you would use it again? So the answer is no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I wish if I could do if I could you know publish um, cross uh, a browser basically, um, then I would do it absolutely. But so I think the key thing here though is what you guys both alluded to earlier on is kind of know what your goals are going in, right? Yeah, like your goal was to create a game, but it was also to learn Python, and so you accomplished both of those, right? So, in, well, I in think that was outline, the goal for both of us, though, because I mean, my again, mine was to you know I wanted to learn and uh, you know build, build strength in certain muscles, you know? Right. 
Right. So that's cool. But it, I mean, it does point out that it was a very targeted specific thing for this game jam. You yeah. just wanted to learn Python while you were doing this. You did it. So next time you would use a tool that you feel would be better for the game development. Yeah. Experience. And I didn't, I didn't go out like hardcore trying to figure out all the standard libraries and stuff. I just wanted to build up a base level of comfortability so that next time I need to create a, a function, I don't need to go look up the sun, the syntax and what's the deal with self and how do I do a module? So like, I just wanted to like kind of repeat some of the most basic stuff about the language until I don't have to think about how to do a for loop or how to right. loop through a collection or whatever. I just kind of know the basics enough to not be frustrated. Hey, I know how, I know how to make that happen. Get yeah. thrown a task to where you have to write some production ready code. <laughs> And yeah. you've never done Python before. <laughs> yeah. The, then, then you could do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> sometimes, no parachute. <laughs> some, sometimes I tuck my knees into my chest and lean forward, and that's just how I roll. <laughs> yeah. <that's> nice. <laughs> well, speaking of, of rolling, you know, maybe you can take a song like the Hedgehog. Um, I think borrowing ideas from games is not only acceptable, but I mean, it's like, super par for the course there's such a rich history of video games out there and the things that you like are so different from everybody else so i don't think you ever have to worry about stealing a particular mechanic or idea from something and getting called out like if you have an idea for something original it's never been done before awesome go for it but i don't think you should feel an ounce of guilt because somebody else did something because pretty much everything's been done every game that comes out every new hot game uh there's nothing under the sun there's like you could draw trace back the lineage of those things going back to you know pong basically well i'm I'm glad that you uh say that now because um yeah like the whole time i was like constantly thinking about universal paper clips like if you if you've ever played that game and uh yeah. So I, I mean, there were times like during the stream, I was thinking about like, you know, I would even call it out and say like, well, you know, uh, what do they say? Like, you know, copying is the greatest form of flattery. Like, yeah. so I was thinking about that, that game. Um, now I went back and played it later and like, oh God, it's so much more, it's so much better, you know, and more thought out. Like it has a lot of, a lot of, um, mechanics to the game. Yeah. That, yeah, that yeah. mine definitely doesn't have and things that I had didn't even think to like, Oh, maybe I should do this. Um, so, you know, while I had that game in my mind, it's still very far from that game. Uh, Which I gained a lot of, too, right? Oh yeah. I gained a lot of respect for, for the game for, for universal paperclips and that the effort that it must have taken to, you know, create the game initially. And yeah, and just like how work. much stuff they planned for ahead of time, and like, yeah, it just gives you a new perspective on like what it took to balance and test, and yeah, everything. Yeah, you imagine play testing a game like yeah, yeah. How did you play test your game when there are things that would take like fifteen minutes to get to? So that's actually a, a good a good segue. So what I did for that was um, in my game, I could like you know it was, there was a currency factor to my game, and so I could just uh, set the you know, so that you like automatically started out with a, a big bank account, you know, and then, uh, okay. you know, you make your fast. purchases that way. Now I did throughout the, throughout the effort, I kept saying, you know, during my stream, like I really need to plumb in a, uh, like a query string parameter that I could just pass in and be like, Hey, this is debug mode or, you know, okay. or like the set my bank account to, to this. On. Yeah. So that I could, okay. so that I could manipulate it without having it. Cause a couple of times what I would do is I would, um, I would change the, the bank account value, then forget that I changed it, commit it, 
And then be like, yeah. oh, I need to like do another commit to remove that. <laughs> so, yeah. so that caught me a few times. Um, but that, that was the cheap way that I did it. But then it got m- more difficult near the end because I put in a, I don't know how you would call this mechanism, but it it wasn't like a rate limiting thing, but it was basically like you could only fill up any one bucket, but so far before you were kind of forced to like move on. Cause I, I wanted you to be incentivized to like, uh, you know, to, 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 to move to the next stage of the game. And so I decided like, okay, well I'm going to cap it like a certain, a certain section is capped until you like, um, like for example, in, in, in the game, like you could hire developers and then those developers could be consolidated into teams of different sizes so that they could, uh, be more productive. Right. So in theory, there's nothing to say that you couldn't just like, you know, hire, uh, a certain number of developers and, and create maybe one or more teams of different sizes. And then just be like, okay, I'm done. And I'm just going to let those go infinitely on. Right. Uh, but what I wanted you to do is to be incentivized to hire the hiring manager that would do all of that for you. Right. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, so, so it was, I, I, I tried to put the captions in. So what the point is, is when I did put those limitations in, then even if you did have the big bank account to start with, it was like, okay, now I got to like juggle this back and forth, uh, you know, in order to, to get to the next levels of, you know, to make sure that, uh, um, the, the, the limitations were working as I expected and things like that. So, yeah. So plumbing in some sort of game state or something probably would have helped out. Right. Yeah. I mean, if I had to do it over again, I would, I think I would definitely like start early on with some kind of idea of like a way to get that in. So that you could yeah. like skip to a, a particular uh, scenario. Yeah, my, my switch for that was uh, my game had the, like three resource types. It was like kind of energy, um, energy, fuel, and the time until the pirates got to you. And so you could play cards that would mess with those amounts. And it was always a trade off. So it's like uh, you can give 10 energy to gain five fuel. Or you could use fuel to get more energy. And so you had to kind of like balance your way up to eventually escaping. Uh, and so that was something, you know, I ran into with testing where, um, I kind of had to play test. And so what I kept doing is just making the game loop shorter and shorter. And so I f- eventually got down to 255 seconds. It was game over. Like that was the longest the game would go. But one problem with that is, um, because I kept shortening it for testing and then just decided to keep because I liked it. There were a couple cards that I didn't go back and rebalance for the shorter time. So there's, uh, particularly there's, uh, two count, two, two accountant type cards that messed with the rates and would change the rates at which things would accumulate for you. So those were supposed to be really good cards that affected your base rate of like resource growth. It's supposed to be great. They're totally worthless. If you play my game, don't, don't buy them because they were balanced for a six minute game. Uh, not, uh, <laughs> you know, not uh 255 seconds, whatever that is four minute game. And even then uh, I, they needed more tweaking. Cause I kept changing like the amount of time in the game and the resources you had to get to it. I kept tweaking all those things and it was really hard to see how balanced is. So what I really needed was like a spreadsheet or something. So we can kind of like measure values. And I didn't do that at all. I would basically be like, eh, it feels like it should be about 40. And so it makes it so that there are cards that are way more valuable than others. And the only way to really learn what cards are way more bang for the buck is to kind of play through the game a bunch of times, which most people aren't going to do. So, you know, lesson learned there, figure out how to keep it testable. Here, here's something dumb that I did though, that, um, 
you know, talking about those limits that I put in of like how many uh, individual contributors that you could, you could hire, for example. Um, the re- another one of the, my motivations for putting those limitations in was that because I knew that like, okay, I don't have like a proper, you know, like a well, uh, f- you know, fleshed out game engine, you know, a proper game engine. I'm just like creating this thing on my own. Right. And so I have all these things running in their own loops and, uh, you know, I was like, well, from a, from a resource constraint from, you know, memory, CPU, et cetera, like I don't want to just let it run wild and let you have, have like a million individual contributors and I have a million individual game loops and like what that would do to the CPU and things like that. So like part of my reasoning for doing those limitations was to keep the, uh, you know, the game playable and so that it wouldn't have a negative impact on your system by letting you go wild. So that's, that's interesting because if you have played paper clips on a computer, <laughs> you'll, <laughs> you'll note that you are melting the polar ice caps as you get further into the levels. So <laughs> it, it definitely will tax the CPU. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun though. It was a, it was a whole lot of fun and I would definitely uh, do it again. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Me too. For sure. Yeah. Um, the last one I had is basically saving energy for publishing, uh, which we talked about, but also playing and raining games. So uh, if you work up to the last second and then go to work the next day, you know, like you're going to be pretty, pretty toasted, which has been, you know, rough for me. And so I kind of wish I'd planned to take it more easy on Sunday and basically left the last, you know, 25% of the time I had allocated for just quote unquote being bored or polishing things that were like totally done. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, definitely. It was, yeah, we uh, mentioned the ratings, um, you know, being important just because it's, it's nice to, you know, people are playing your game. Like you want to go play other people's games and stuff. And so don't burn yourself out. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I think the the last question that I would ask is, um, why would a pig dressed in black never get bullied? Because Batman has swarmed to protect goth ham. Oh my gosh, that's terrible! I can't even laugh at that one. That's no, fun. man, that was it's a stretch. Funny. Yeah, that, that that was not funny. That that one was such a stretch. Let's just move. Let's just move along. Was that a micro G? <laughs> no, no. All of these today, I'm just like randomly finding on Reddit. That's the problem. That's 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 the problem. That is the problem. Yes, yes. Okay, Mike. Mike, we'll we'll talk micro G. We need some more jokes. Yeah, <laughs> that and Arlene. I think Arlene has also been a steady supplier of these. Excellent. Uh, yeah, so we'll have some resources that we like. Um, definitely go play these games. We'll got we we'll have links all over. And I would love to do this again next year. You know, maybe around the same time. Uh, Does it have you know, to we'll be see. a yearly thing? Can we like me? I you don't want to. Do well, it I like more, more often. often. But I'll tell you, I would also love to do a non-game jam type thing. Like I don't know how that works, whether hackathon, something. So I don't know. It's worth considering. I would also be totally fine with doing game jam again. So whatever. I mean, let's I, know what you think. Honestly, I've thought about this too, and like I, I'm. I definitely would love to do another game jam. I don't know that like, I don't know that I would want it to be yearly. Um, but also like, cause that feels like too, too far apart. But like at the same time, like as you got closer, it'll be like, okay, well, what would be like monthly would be way too, too much. Oh, yeah. No way I could do monthly. <laughs> no. Um, even quarterly kind of feels like, I don't know, man, do I have like, it would mm-hmm. depend on like how much am I, am I taking time off for each one yeah. to, uh, participate. And then there was like, well, maybe at least twice a year would be doable. 
you know, but, I, yeah, be fine. but I also thought about like the, you know, Hey, what if we just like, Hey, we're going to, here's, um, you know, not, not a advent of code, but like, Hey, here's five problems from, um, uh, you know, code wars or something like that. And we're going to, you know, everybody try to compete and do these and see like who can get the best, you know, the top rated answers or whatever on those or something. I don't know. Um, data analysis jam. They have contests over on uh, Kaggle or whatever. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let us know if you have any interesting ideas. Like, uh, but yeah, I'm totally fine with doing a game jam uh, again in a couple months. Yeah. Well, with that, we head into Alan's favorite portion of the show. It's the tip of the week. <laughs> I guess we're going first. So my, yeah, my tip. I'm, I'm a slacker, so I was just gonna say go do a game jam. I was really happy with the platform we used, itch.io. Um, everything about it. They had a great asset store. They've got great games you can go play for free. And also they have some AAA titles. But if you go to itch.io slash jams or hit the jams link at the top, uh, you'll see that there are tons of game jams going on all the time. So I would say if you miss this one you, and you feel bad or you feel good because you had fun and you just want to go try one, just go join anyone. Put in as much time as feels good to you and go learn something and just give it a shot because I, I can pretty much guarantee you're going to learn something. And uh, even if you put in an hour and just work through a tutorial and publish it, I think there's something valuable that comes out of the publishing and getting feedback, even if it's a short amount of time. I, I will second itch.io because even um, even though it might sound like I was I, uh, complaining at the top about the you know some of the instructions there specific to my game, overall though, like it was still a really pleasant experience to submit the game and and what they provide for you, and you know like even if you wanted to wire up uh you know like monetary um you know contributions to it like they they make that easy for you to to get paid yeah you can sell your game you yeah. can totally say uh you, you can say you can donate to me or support it or you can pay five bucks for it whatever yep it was awesome very cool all right uh my tip of the week actually came from something that surprised me that outlaw didn't we i taught him something the other day so if you are grepping typically from like logs, right? Like you're looking for an error in a log. So you find that line that has the error on it. You might need to know what happened before it and maybe even after it. And the grep command gives you a way to do all of those things. So if you just grep for a particular string in a log, right? It'll show you that line. If you want to see 10 lines before it, leading up to it, then you can say grep dash capital A and then 10, and it'll show you the 10 lines leading up to it. If you want to see just the 10 lines after it as well, then instead of dash A, you would do dash capital B. So grep dash capital B and then 10, it'll show you the 10 lines after that, that one that it finds the match in. If you want to see let's say 10 lines before and 10 lines after, because you kind of want to see the context around it, on both sides, you could say grep dash C capital C and then 20. And then that'll give you 20 total lines, 10 before and 10 after the actual line that it finds the, the match in. So it's super helpful when trying to identify. I can't tell you how many times I did this. And, and I learned this when I was trying to figure out things that were going on with streaming applications because the failures would always have something that happened, you know, 20, 30 lines before it and 20, 30 lines after it. And so that was like the only effective way to really be able to figure out what was happening. Yeah. When I, when I saw Alan do that, I'm like, wait, what is that? What, what does that dash C do? <laughs> like, that's awesome. 
yeah, and it's yeah. a it's such a it's such an unfortunate thing that there's like not like an easy mnemonic to remember the A and the B because you kind of wish like if A uh it you know A is before but yet B is after. Right. But it would be great if it was B for before and A for after, but but then you know A comes before B, so that doesn't make sense either. So you're like, oh man, like I don't know, but whatever. That's why you just dash C it all always dash capital C, and then you get them on both sides, and you're good. Yeah, uh, yeah. So in in my world, I've been uh, you know going back through put put my dev hat DevOps hat on, and uh, you know, getting focusing on uh, automating some builds that weren't already automated, and putting them into a different you know a whole new pipeline. And uh, I came across this idea that I thought like, oh, this is genius because I've been talking with others about like, um, about like including a git commit as part of the versioning, the semantic, this semantic versioning. So, uh, we've talked about some verb before, but it's basically like that quad, like, you know, 1.0.0.0.0, uh, kind of setup. but you can also like, uh, semantic versioning allows if you do a dash at the end that you could put in like other things. So, uh, in the build version, in the version numbers that we're using, like we include like a build number so that you could go back to the build system and trace it back. But uh, I was thinking about like even better than that would be like, Hey, what if we were to put the, uh, a portion of the Git commit in, even if it wasn't the entire Git commit uh, ID, but you just put like enough of the beginning of the shawl that you could like figure it out. Right. You know, like um, I think some systems like use like the first eight, like even the command line doesn't show you the first, the whole thing. I think it shows you the first eight, um, you know, by default and it's, and it's enough of an idea. But then I ran across this idea of like, Oh, Hey, did you know that when you build a Docker image, you can include a label. And one of the things that you could include in that label could be the Git commit that you're using to build. And so I'll include some syntax in here, but basically there's a dash dash label that you could apply and you could do something like Git commit equals and then whatever the thing is and and you know whether you're setting it through an environment variable or maybe like if you're from Jenkins you know if you're doing this in Jenkins for example uh you know you could use the environment.git commit environment variable to uh plug that in as part of your command line but yeah you could include the the git commit in your docker label and then that way when you're like looking at your your let's say you have like an artifactory or something where like you know whatever your container registry is uh, and, and this is the specific Docker image that you're using, but you want to like trace down like a particular problem or know like, Hey, what, what is that actually built on? You could go and inspect that, you know, use a Docker inspect command to inspect that image and see the specific commit that it came, that was used to build it. I like that. So, <clears throat> um, I'll have instruct, I'll have some, some examples of that, uh, in the, in the show notes, but yeah. So uh, we hope you've enjoyed the summary of the, you know, lessons learned from Game Jam. And, uh, you know, if you didn't sign up for this Game Jam, definitely sign up for the next one. Uh, and if you did, I hope you enjoyed uh, signing up for this one. If you did join up for it and, you know, we appreciate the, um, you know, the, the contributions and the submissions that were done. It was a lot of fun and, and we've enjoyed it. Um, but with that... Uh, you know, if you haven't already, uh, subscribe to us, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to find your podcast apps. And, uh, you can go up there, you can leave us a review. You can find a helpful link at another link, which is codingblocks.net slash review. 
Oh, I guess it's my turn. Uh, while you're up there at Cody Blocks, make sure you check out all our show notes, examples, discussions, and more. And make sure you send your feedback, questions, and rants to our Slack channel at Slack or CodyBlocks.net slash Slack. Ooh, I just forgot. Realized forgot to talk about websites, email, and now uh, we'll add Slack to the list. So uh, <laughs> we'll we'll get there. Maybe if you go follow us at Twitter, we'll uh, teach you about some of these things. Uh, or if you go to CodyBlocks.net or at CodyBlocks on Twitter, you can find all our social links uh, at the top of the page. 